Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Church. Awesome. Um, let's go ahead and get to work this morning. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to go ahead and go first to uh, Colossians chapter 2 in the midst of a series as we usually are. Uh, before we actually get to the series real fast, get to the message, I want to take just one quick second and uh, welcome some good friends of mine. Joel and Lindsay Eklund, you guys want to stand up so the church can say hi to you? Go ahead and give it up for them. They, uh, you may recognize their last name. Their parents were a gigantic help in bringing our two churches together, and they're, uh, they're on sabbatical, so they're here hanging out with us this morning. Make sure to go up and say hi to them and hug them. They're, they're on staff up at House of the Lord, and uh, we love them. Joel and I um, share a, a, a common a joint struggle with an addiction um, to guitar equipment and gear. So uh, we try to keep each other accountable. Our wives are not saying amen right now. Um, speaking of wives, my, uh, my family has left me uh, for just for a few days. Uh, that's going out on an email. Um, my wife's family has a family reunion every year, and she, she had to go away for this weekend. I would have gone away for this weekend with her. Um, however, uh, I had court-ordered uh, driving school on Saturday. That was fun. Um, best $100 I ever spent on six hours. Um, just trying to be honest and real and transparent. Um, it wasn't speeding. It was not speeding. I don't speed uh, partially because my car can't if the radio's on. Um, <laughs> you have to pick, you know, radio or speed. Uh, I wish I was kidding. Um, no, uh, I, I, I had one of those fun moments. Anybody have these where you come to an intersection at the same time as somebody else and you do the, like, is you going to go? Am I going to go? Are you going to go? Am I going to go? And I just went. And... Uh, there was a really nice black SUV parked right behind me in that intersection. He had some cool lights put in his car and dressed really nice and had a gun. And uh, he, <laughs> he lovingly encouraged me to go to court-ordered uh, driving school. So uh, I did that, and now hopefully I'm a better driver. Um, which, by the way, driving school pretty much consisted of about six hours of watching crashes uh, on video over and over again. And them saying, don't do that. It's fun. Um, but no, my family's, my family's away. They'll be back this week. But uh, if you'd be praying for them as they are traveling, I would personally uh, very much appreciate it. So we're going to get right into the word. I said that earlier, and then I started talking. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Colossians 2, 16. Uh, can we do something a little different this morning? We don't do this all the time, but this morning I just feel like um, I want to remind us uh, just how important this thing we call the Bible really is. I was 
uh, I suffer from insomnia when my wife is gone, and so I was, the, the cure for me for insomnia is watching mindless documentaries on Netflix uh, at the wee hours of the morning. And I uh, was watching a, a documentary that was, I won't mention it because I don't want you to watch it. Uh, it was garbage about the Bible, but they, they shared one particularly interesting thing to me that just was a good reminder, something I knew, but, but just was reminded that not only are these 66 books by 40 authors, the living, active, breathing word of God, which we believe, amen? Okay, good, thank you, I'm in the right church. Um, but I was reminded of just the, the, the high price that has been paid. So not only that we can have the Bible still, but specifically so we can read it in a language that we know. I mean, it, it's not, in, in, in human history, it's not that long ago that people were burned at the stake for trying to translate the Bible into a language that people could read. So I'm going to ask us this morning, not out of some weird religiousness, but just out of reverence, if we can stand for the reading of God's word this morning, uh, we're going to read Colossians 2, 16 through 19, and then we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians, and then we're going to jump right into the message this morning. I'm reading out of the ESV. If you have a flat screen and you want to switch to it, you can, or it's right up there. Therefore, Paul says, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance. Can everybody say substance? The substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. Now real fast, let's jump straight over to 1 Corinthians Chapter 12, chapter 12, verse 14, chapter 12, verse 14, Paul also speaking here of the body, says, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If you think the Bible is boring, you haven't read it. Can we just stop? I mean, we get so religious, man. Paul here is being funny, right? Like, what, what, in what world does a hand look at a foot and go, well, I don't look like that. I must not be a part of the body. It makes no logical sense. He's trying to show us how foolish we are when we try to separate ourselves just because we're different. But I digest. Uh, verse, <laughs> you're listening. Verse 16, and if the ears should say, because I am not and I, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body if the whole body were an eye. Picture it. Go ahead. Pretty weird, huh? Where would the sense of hearing, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God, catch this please, God arranges the members in the body, each one of them, as he chooses. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, come on, yet one body. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you this morning for the powerful, living, active, transforming word that you have given us. I thank you, God, right now... I, 
for those who pioneered the way for us to be able to have a Bible that we can read. God, I thank you for the men and the women who laid down their lives believing, God, not that this is a collection of fairy tales and, and platitudes, but rather, God, that it is your living, active, breathing word. And so, God, we rejoice in you for delivering this to us, this good and great gift. And so, God, today we ask that you would, you would do something supernatural. You would take these written words and you'd begin to breathe life on them that we might hear you speak. God, we're asking that through a written book that was written, God, over 2,000 years ago, God, that you would breathe life into it and give us the ability to hear what it is you're saying both to us as a church and individually. God, unlock our ears, un unblock our, our, our canals in our spiritual ears, soften our hearts, prepare us, God, even in this moment to receive the implanting of the seed of your word that it might spring up within us and transform us, God, not through behavior modification, not through trying harder, God, but through transformation and through leaning into you and leaning into your word, God, that we would be renewed in the way that we think and be transformed, all for your glory, all for your name, and all for your renown, Everybody said, amen. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. Thank you. Real fast, because I've been saying this now for several weeks, and I'm getting bored of it. Um, we're in a series. We're calling it We Are. We're looking at uh, this principle that Paul lays out here in Colossians, where he says that uh, biologically he speaks wrong when he says that the body grows through what joints and ligaments provide, that we're nourished and knit together and we grow by what they provide. The only problem is, according to biology, your joints and ligaments don't provide anything. They are, as we have said, I think we have a slide for it, joints and ligaments are the places and the powers that hold our body together. What Paul here is saying is this, that true biblical growth in the church, which we believe in, amen, is not based upon hype, it's based upon health. I'm going to say that again. True church growth is not based on hype, it's based on health. As we are a healthy church, we grow. Come on, when, when my, my children are growing, I don't have to try to, uh, I have three kids, uh, Adoniah who's 13, Malachi who's 10, and Valencia who's 5. And, and I, don't have to, I don't have to hype them up to try to get them to grow. I just have to feed them. And they do a very good job of making me feed them. If they're healthy, they grow. They have water and food and house and air. They're going to keep growing. As much as I might not enjoy their growth sometimes because I love them just the way they are, they're going to keep growing up. Same thing Paul is saying is true of, of the spiritual body that is the church. As we are joint and held together, growth is a byproduct of health. So as a church, we want to focus on, okay, if these joints, if these places and powers where we come together are so vitally important, what are they for us? What are the things that we feel that God has called us to, to rally around, what are the things that God has called us and gifted us with that pull us together as a church? We're all a bunch of different people, and we're going to talk about that this morning, but, but we're held together by, by some common things that God calls us to be held together by, some powers that hold us together. We've said this, the number one thing absolutely positively has to be Jesus. I'm going to say that again. It has to be Jesus. We have to be held together primarily by Jesus. Jesus ought to hold us together more than anything separates us. 
Next, we saw that the primary place where we experience and encounter Jesus is his word. In, in, the, in the pages of the Bible, we encounter Jesus. The Bible is not just a collection of platitudes and, 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 and fairy tales. Uh, it, there are no fairy tales in the Bible, by the way, in case there's a confusion on that. Everything we believe that the Bible says is true. Amen? And as we desire to encounter Jesus, yes, we believe in his presence. Yes, we believe in, in the supernatural abundance of God meeting with us. But we also believe that primarily the basis, the foundation, the building blocks of our encounters with God need to be the Bible. Amen? Amen? Okay, good. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. We then said the primary message of the Bible is the gospel. The narrative story of the scriptures teaches us, shows us, and reinforces constantly again and again the gospel. The gospel, as simply as I can put it, is that we have a good and great and creative God who made all things, come on, all things for his glory. He made all things good and perfect, yet through man's rebellion and blasphemy of him, the Bible says that death and destruction, sin, came into the world. That all the problems that we see, all of the failures, the faults, and the cracks in our world are not God's fault, but ours. And God, being a holy and just God, could not allow the blasphemy of his name and the rebellion of our hearts to go unpunished. So rather than letting it go unpunished, he sent himself in the form of the Son to come to earth and on our behalf die the death that we earned through our rebellion. And now because of Jesus, the totality of God's wrath has been poured out. Jesus died on a cross. Three days later, rose uh, again eternally triumphant over all of his enemies. So that for those who repent and believe on Christ, there is now for, therefore now no condemnation but only everlasting joy. Christians, you should be excited about that. Because if, if we lose sight of that, then what's the point? This is just the Lions Club. This is just a, this is just a nice gathering with overly loud music and a, a guy who gets up and talks too long. But if Christ is risen, if sin has been defeated, if the grave is closed forever, we sang it this morning, where is the victory in hell? It's gone. There is, no more, there is no more sorrow in death because we know that we have life and life abundantly for eternity with him. The primary message of the Bible is the gospel. The gospel, as it works within our lives, makes us a loving family. You were not just saved for you. You were saved into the plans and purposes of God, and you were saved into the family of God. Therefore, if you have been born again, not only do you have the pardoning of your sins, not only do you have new life in him, not only do you have the access to the spirit, but you have been grafted into the family of God. Christianity is not a solo sport, period. I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how, how profoundly gifted you are. You are designed to fit into the body, period. We saw that as a family, we must love one another, we must serve one another, we must care for one another. So this morning, with the, the, the time I have left, um, I, I want to touch on something that I, I feel, if I'm going to be honest, is kind of a hot button kind of item, and so uh, I brought up a stool. I'm less offensive if I'm sitting down. Um, title for today's message, the topic under which we are going to explore, is we are diverse. What I mean by that is, as a family, God has knit us together 
And God has brought together a family that is not all carbon copies of one another. How many people's families are like mine and, and they're a little weird? So we should feel right at home. I've been married now for 16 years. I uh, married my wife when she was 12. Um, <laughs> um, it's actually pretty close. We were 19. Um, but anyways, um, married for 16 years. For the first 14 of those years, I did something that I'm very proud of. And on the 14th year, I did something that I slightly regret. Uh, for 14 years, I kept my wife away from my family reunions. Uh, I come from an Irish immigrant family. Uh, first generation, my grandma came over in the womb. Uh, and we are your, you know, all the, you know, all of the horrible things, the stories you hear about Irish people, they're all about my family. Um, my, I, I personally believe that most of my family believes that the reason God chose to create the Irish people was to consume excess alcohol. Um, so our family reunions most of the time consist of a bunch of people pitching tents in the woods and getting riotously drunk and vomiting in some river. And so I kept my family away from this. And I, I would tell stories about family reunions. We've actually been banned from whole towns for ever even coming back. Towns that my family helped found, we've been banned from coming back to. And I would tell my wife these stories. And, she, and, and so after her going on uh, a couple years ago, we went to a family reunion. And if any of my family's listening, I love you. Um, but we went to a family reunion. As we're driving away, I said, what, what do you think, babe? And she was really, really quiet. <laughs> I said, what's, what's up? She goes, well, you know you would tell stories. I said, yeah. She goes, I always just thought you were being funny. I said, what do you think now? And she goes, I think you were being nice. <laughs> like, like family is weird. Family's diverse. Like, family is not normal. In my, in my direct family, and I'm very proud of this person, so I want to make sure I say that. In my family, in, in just my siblings, you have a pastor who planted a church and a, and a brother who started a bar. Families are about diversity. Hello. So if we are a family, we have to be diverse. But here's, here's I need to sit down. I love you. Um, I just want to, I want to point out three things. That's all I want to do this morning really fast in the short time I have left. Three quick things from 1 Corinthians 12 that we see about the body. We understand that Paul here is using the same analogy. So traveling from Colossians to uh, Corinthians shouldn't be a huge jump for us. He's using this metaphor. It's one of Paul's uh, favorite ways of kind of talking about and communicating the church. And I think there's a lot of reasons for it. Um, what I want us to understand is this, God likes diversity. I'm going to say that again. God likes diversity. What I mean by that is this, diversity is by design. Diversity is by design, not defect. When we talk about sin splintering and, 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 and causing a rift in our world, diversity was not a product of that. When God made all of creation, he didn't just make one thing. He made a diverse creation of much. If you go outside and you look around, if you travel even this one country and you look around, even just in the physical creation, God likes, come on, diversity. He likes things different. God is so magnificent, I believe, and so splendid, I believe, that any singular thing could not reflect him properly. So he made a diverse creation. When we see this, Paul talks about the fact that the body is put together of different parts by God. 
He doesn't say, well, he had to deal with our differences, so he kind of made a plan. Can I just, God did not react. He planned. So what we see here is that, that diversity is by design. God chose to make us different. Diverse is just like a fancy church word for different. We're different. Some of you are more different than others. Um, God likes different. That's why he made me. Okay, God, God likes diversity. He likes things different. And so we see first and foremost, God likes diversity. God designed diversity. The next thing I need us to understand from this text is we need diversity. Not only does God like it and did God design it, but God likes it and he designed it. And therefore, in his design, if we want to be a part of what he's doing and how he's doing it, we need to realize that we have a need for people different than us. People who are different than you, I love you, are God's gift to you, not his curse against you. I mean, stop and think about it. Husbands and wives. How many of us are grateful that our, our husbands, I'm going to talk to men for a minute. How many of you are glad your wife is not exactly like you? It's a struggle, isn't it? I mean, it can, it can be difficult that we're not the same, but we, we're grateful for it. And, and I don't mean to get PG-13, but it's what produces. Different produces. Without different, we can't produce. We can't, we can't grow. If we were all just the same, there is no growth. Can I get that graphic with us? Is that all right? Because that's not even near how graphic I usually get. We're still getting to know each other. You have limits that other parts of the body make up for. Come on, let's look at, let's look at the text. He, he talks about the hands, come on, can't say to the foot. Come on, hands and feet work together. I learned this a lot yesterday in driving school, right? You need both. That's why you shouldn't text message and drive. I don't want to do any of your funerals any sooner than I have to, so don't text and drive. Or Facebook and drive. Or Instagram and drive. Or Twitter or email or YouTube or anything else. Just put your phone away. Hands and feet work together. I, 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 have, I remember sitting in a church service, uh, and I'll give credit to where credit is due. I was sitting at Mars Hill and listening to Mark Driscoll actually talk about this passage. And he had the best analogy I've ever heard, so I'll give him credit for it. That you need both your hands and your feet for the full nacho experience, right? You need your feet to carry you to the nachos. You need your hand to pick up the nachos and put them in your mouth. You would not want to walk to the nachos with your hands, nor would you want to pick up the nachos with your feet. So you need both, amen? You have, you have a purpose, and you have in that purpose by design. Come on, how awesome is this? That God designed in your purpose to leave a place, come on, for others. You have a need for other people. I need to sit down. We need each other. So not only do we have limits that, that facilitate our place and other people's place in the body, but catch this, please, we have gifts that facilitate our place. The eyes and the ears and the nose. He, he, he moves his analogy onto our faces. And, and I mean, how many of you have ever tried to stick your earbuds up your nose? It doesn't work very well. That's not what they're designed for, either one. But rather, come on somebody, rather, God designs each part to do what it does. Only together, please, please, only together can we be a body. 
Separate, we can't be a body. Separate, you can be an eye. But you can't be a body. And Jesus didn't die, I love you, did not die for an eye. He died for a body. You need us. We need you. Your diff, the difference that you bring, the diversity that you bring is needed in the body. It's designed. The, the difference you bring, this is the tough part. I'm just going to level with you for a minute. The tough part is the difference you bring is designed to show us the lack that we have. But the problem is that God usually shows you the lack before he shows us it because he's going to show us it through you. Let me put it really, really simply. The things that drive you nuts about this church, and there are a lot that you can pick from, are probably the things that God has placed you here to help us with. That's why he made it irritate you. It's not an excuse to leave. It's a call to jump in. You can either be a critic or you can help construct. You can either point out all of our flaws or you can come help us become, come on, the pure, spotless bride that we are called to be. It's up to you. It's completely up to you. God shows us. He gives us these abilities and he shows it to us so that we know the place that we're designed to fit. The eyes don't know that the room stinks. I don't know how simple to put that. And apparently teenagers' noses don't work. Um, junior hires are all out of the room. It's okay. Um, the function that you have is there for the purpose of the body. That's what I'm trying to get at here. And so that irritation that you have in something is a call to jump in. Listen, let me tension all this because I don't want to leave a wide open door. Always in love, always submitted to the Father, always in the proper place. I'm not talking about running around and just yelling at things that are messed up, but the nose has to communicate to the rest of the body that it stinks. It has to be a part of the solution. Amen? So, God likes diversity. God designed diversity. We need diversity. And here's the last thing I need us to understand. Diversity needs to be what unites us, not what divides us. So because God designed it, he designed it so that we would need it, so that in our need, our diversity would pull us together so that we can be united in a better picture of what it is that God is doing. We can't be, <laughs> we can't just be a pile of ears. That's gross. If all we want to be is around a bunch of people like ourselves, that's all we are. We're just a big giant pile of eyeballs just in the middle of the room. This is disgusting. I don't want to know why I came up with this analogy. It's just, it's not right. We're designed to be different. The, 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 the difference within us is designed to draw us together and, and foster unity. That when we see different, we, we try to figure out where we, how we fit together. My, 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 oh, I'm gonna, my bicep, I do have one. Medically speaking, I do have one. Is different than my forearm. So even, even things that are similar are still, there's still a difference. And it's by design. So God, as he's brought you to this place, or as he's had you at this place, or as he's had you in bringing you at this place, 
it's, it's for a purpose. It's by design. The, the difference that you bring is, is fundamental for us fulfilling the purpose that we have, which is showing Jesus to the city. I don't mean to put too fine a point on it, but we can't do it without one another. God designed us to have need one for another. That need is supposed to draw us together, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down. Because I, I, this is the part where you tuck your feet under your chair. I don't mean to step on toes, but I need to say something. And that is this, that our preferences cannot become our prejudices. You're allowed to have your preference. But don't allow the preference that you have to make you prejudiced against everything else. Well, this is what I like. I don't want anything else. Uh, this, this stems from, I believe, something I've called for years, the, the demonization of different. Well, if it's different, it's bad. Um. <laughs> we see it all the time in politics, don't we? It's not just that they're different. It's not just that they're, hear me, it's not just that they're wrong. They're bad. And without getting political, I just want to ask a question. How's that working for us? We can't demonize people who are different than us. We can't demonize people who have a, a different perspective than us. I'm not saying they're right. I, I'm just saying that, that, that their difference does not instantaneously mean that they're bad. We have to quit demonizing those things that we don't understand. Our preferences, which are, are allowed and God-given, can't become, cannot become. Those things that we allow to divide us. You can't allow a preference to become a prejudice. It just can't happen. And by the way, since I'm using the word prejudice, let me use it in our cultural sense. I'm going to tell you something that I love you. I love you. I love you. If you're racist, you're going to hell. Read First John. This is one of my pet peeves. I grew up in the South for a while. I've been all around it. I lived in a place where I was the minority. I have no at all grace for this, and I apologize for that, but I think it's God-given. I lived in a state for a while where the fact that I'm white and my wife is part Hawaiian was a problem for people. First John says, if you claim to love God and you don't love your brother, the truth is not in you. So, so in talking about different, that's not the only thing I'm talking about, but it's part of what I'm talking about. We are not interested in being a white, upper-middle-class Republican church. I love you. There is a city out there that looks a whole lot different than that, and those are the people that need Jesus. And the people who are white, upper-class Republicans need Jesus, too. In case that was confusing. In case I didn't offend everybody yet, let me just get it all out of the way. Our preferences can't become our prejudices. They can't. They can't. They can't. They can't. Martin Luther King Jr. said that Forty years ago he said this, and I think it's still true today, that this, the church hour, the hour on Sunday mornings is the most racially, uh, racially segregated hour in America. Can't be that way anymore. Because here's the problem. Let's step out of race and just get into, back into diversity. If we can't love and get along with and be united with and join together with, hello somebody, other believers who are different than us, I'm just going to be really gut-level blunt with you. A lost person who walks in goes, well, there's no place for me because I'm even different than all of them. However, 
when, when the lost come in and see people who are of a vastly different background, who have vastly different preferences, having no prejudice against one another, I will tell you from personal experience as well as firsthand experience that it draws the lost into the kingdom. So I want to I get this real practical for us as a church, because I'm not just preaching for the air. I want to I talk to us for a minute. So if you're visiting with us, I love you. Check Facebook. Guys are like, I wasn't doing that before. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22. I don't even know if I have a slide for this. Because while I was not sleeping at 4 o'clock in the morning, this came to me. So Proverbs 22, 28. Do not move the ancient landmarks that your fathers have set. Simple, right? Pretty simple passage, slightly confusing in its simplicity. I want to I talk about the very practical and personal issue for us in diversity. I'm just going to get it out of the way right now. It's the age gap. Can, we, can, we, can I be that just blunt about it? It's like, oh no, the elephant wasn't in the room. Yeah, it was. There... Our God, Jesus, Jesus put our two churches together. Amen. One more time. Jesus put our two churches together. Okay, good. And what he did when he did that was put two churches of different ages, not only in the length that they've existed, but in the, in the majority of their congregations. It's not a totality thing, hello, but the majority, okay? We're talking about the elephant. Let's just talk about it. We cannot allow, everything that I just said applies to that. That difference is by God's design. That difference is because we need one another. That difference ought to unite us, not divide us. Our preference can't become our prejudice against one another. I love you. should be sitting down, but I'm not going to. We can't allow it. So I, 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 let, me just, let me just get this real in the ground practical for me. This is just my personal kind of perspective on that. You go, well, then how do we deal with it? Relationship and intimacy. That's the only way I know how to deal with it. There's not a program. There's not a, there's not a billboard. There's not, there's not a, a, a T-shirt that we can get printed that will fix that problem. You need to get to know one another. Because... Nothing breaks down prejudice like relationship. You can believe all you want about somebody different than you until you get to know them and you go, oh. But I thought. I lived in Guam. It's the, it's the, the place where I was the minority. Guam is an island in the South Pacific, not a place in Tennessee. Um, and uh, when I lived there, I, I was told all these stories by the, the few other. My dad was a pilot for Continental, so we mostly hung out with other pilots, and, and they were predominantly white. And I heard all these stories about how the local people, the Chamorros, hated us, and they would, didn't want to be friends with you, and don't, don't hang around them, and, and they're just going to be mean to you. And certainly, I've, I've talked about this in the past, there, there is that hostility. But you know what? When I got to know some of them, all those things went away. I realized they're people, which is stupid that I didn't realize before. Oh, yeah, two arms, two legs, a head. Yeah, a person. By the way, anything with more than one head is a monster. So, um, 
So we, under, I, I, we, we need to, when we talk about how do we fix the age gap, how, how do we not fix it, but how do we embrace it, we get to know one another. If you need your practical step for this week, go meet somebody who's a different age than you, vastly, the bigger the better. To a certain extent, I'm not telling seven-year-olds to go pick up babies and just, like, hi, that'd be creepy. Um, especially if you don't talk to their parent first. <laughs> but go meet somebody, get to know somebody. I know this is really overly practical and you want something really spiritual, but th- this, this, is, this is the solution. See, the problem is we don't like it because it's simple and therefore we can't have an excuse why we're not going to do it. <laughs> but that's too simple. No, look. So let me address, though, one particular thing in this giant thing. Talk about land, the, the landmarkers. God is very particular about this. Now, historically, the reason for this was these, these denoted where the, the divided up land in Israel went. These were like the boundary markers. And what they're saying is this, that, that just because somebody's weaker than you doesn't give you the right to go pick it up and move it over so you get more land. God's pretty particular about this. He talks about it several times. He talks about it in Job and Hosea. He gets really angry when people do this. But I think, I think there's room for application here in saying that, that there are some landmarks in church history, in, in the history of our two churches, that ought not be moved. So let me, let me shift the analogy here for a second and help us both understand what's going on. There are, let's, let's stop calling them uh, the, the landmarkers and let's call them what kind of more church history calls them. That's pillars. Churchy people familiar with that term? What we mean by that are things that kind of hold us up. It's so, somewhat of what we're talking about in the analogy of ligaments holding us together. These are things that hold us up. These are things that, that are, the, those that have gone before us and those who are here that went before us have spent and invested their lives in erecting and in putting up and they provide for us a place of protection. Younger people, we're not moving the pillars. They're there for a reason. Well, I don't like that pillar. Deal with it. I love you. We're not moving the pillars. But we believe in prophecy. We we believe in the powerful moving of the Holy Spirit. That's a pillar. We believe in worship that that not only just uh, encounters God, but declares who he is and believes that as we do that, he meets with us in real and tangible ways. We believe that the word ought to be open every single time we come together, and Jesus and the gospel ought to be shown to us. That's a pillar. We're not moving that. Those who are older. We're painting the pillars. <laughs> worship is still worship. It just might sound a little different. But the, hear me, please, please. The pillar's still there. Listen, this is, this is really personal for me because I learned how to worship in this church. This church, not Sozo, even though it's Sozo. I learned how to worship at the Rock of Ages. I've said this before. I learned how to worship. It was back there. <laughs> there was chairs back there before. I wasn't just standing in a room. I learned to worship Jesus standing back there watching George and Sean Irnon lead us in worship. My wife, <laughs> I'm going to talk about us for a minute, which is awkward, but it's okay. Uh, my, wife, my wife said after our first service together on Easter, she goes, you've always done this thing. I said, what do you mean? When you lead worship, you hold your hands up and you go like this. 
I said, okay, well, I don't, I'm surfing. I don't know. And she goes, she goes, I don't know if you know, she goes, George does it. I went, oh, <laughs> I, did, I didn't know. It wasn't a conscious thing. It's not like I went, oh, that's what you do when you lead worship. Like, like I'm setting the tempo for the band. I don't know. It's not a conscious thing. My point is I love the pillars. I love them. We're going to keep worshiping. It's just going to sound different. Listen, we still believe in prophecy. We just don't think we need to do it in old King James. Hello. Can I, can I get a little more practical? We still believe, come on. We still believe in holiness. We just think we can be holy and have tattoos. We're not moving the pillars. Please hear me. We're not moving the pillars. But they're getting painted. Because, look, he said don't move the landmarks. He didn't say nothing about don't change anything that's happening in, the land, in between the landmarks. He didn't say that every generation has to do it the same way the last one did. He just said don't move the boundaries. Don't move the pillar. We're different for a reason. I want to address the age difference. It's there for a reason. We need, there's some, I needed to stand back there and learn how to lead worship. I needed it. I needed to be shown the pillars because, frankly, I'm kind of slow, and I ran into them a lot, and they frustrated me. But when I learned what they were, and I saw the blessing that they are, I love them. I just want to paint them. So your practical step this week, I can't make it any simpler. Just, just go be with somebody who's different than you. I think it's a good, it would be a healthy thing to do that with somebody who's a different age than you. Hang out with them however you want. Let me throw something out at you. August 14th, this will be a real fun one. August 14th, we're going to an Indians game together. Go to that. Come hang out with us. Come hang out. Spend a, a day. It's called a pastime for a reason. The game will pass as time goes past. And, and I don't even like baseball, and I love going. We've, Sozo, this is one of the things that we've done every year since we've started. Uh, we go to an Indians game together every year. It's just a fun way to get together. And, and I'm just going to lay some things out here real fast. I, I, I was raised uh, with two very different sets of grandparents. So I think this is part of why my, my parents came from very vastly different backgrounds. I think it's why I'm so comfortable in diverse settings. Uh, my dad, as you heard, was raised uh, Irish Catholic, old school Irish Catholic. Um, and my mom was raised by holiness Nazarenes. <laughs> they go through marriage counseling, they went, maybe try Lutherans. <laughs> like, like uh, we don't know how this is going to work. Um, so I, 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 what I, I bring that up to say, I, I spent lots of time with my grandparents as a kid. We spent summers with our extended family when I was growing up. And, and I experienced things from, from different perspectives, and I have a, a respect for those different perspectives. Um, I talk about we, we believe in holiness and we can have tattoos. I, I don't mean to step on anybody's toes, and I don't want to offend anybody. We believe we can be holy and enjoy a beer. So as you go to this game, I just need you to understand that. You might be standing next to somebody who's enjoying a beer. Listen to me. If you are someone, I need you to hear me. If you're someone who has the freedom and the, the liberty to drink, you need to hear this. If you're somebody who struggles with that, I struggled with it for years. You need to communicate to one another. What did I say was the solution? A relationship, talking, simply saying, hey, if you, if you struggle with it, just simply saying to the person, hey, um, 
Do you mind just putting that down while we, while we talk? It's, it's, a, it's a struggle for me. And if you're the one with the liberty, put it down. Don't be a punk. And we can still have a relationship, amen? We, 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 I, I'm just trying to talk about the elephants in the room. Come on. Get to know one another. Let's hang out together. Let's spend time together. Let's, let's talk about things together. Let's get to know one another. Let's build relationships with one another. And let's stop demonizing different people. Let's stand to our feet. I think I've offended everyone enough. <laughs> Email address is mark at sozospokane.org. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way, too. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. To prove that I love pillars, we're going to sing a hymn. Um, I asked Tyler if he would, uh, Tyler and Maureen, if they would pull an old hymn. And they pulled, actually, one of my favorites, if not my favorite. It's a song called Come Thou Fount. And there's a line in this song. It says, it's a confession. He says, I'm prone to wander. Oh, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God I love. Listen, if you are distant from Jesus this morning, if you've not repented of your sins and put your faith in Jesus, I'm not talking about coming to an altar and praying a prayer. I'm not talking about asking Jesus into your heart. What I'm, at, what I'm talking about is you admitting and confessing that you are wrong and God is right about everything. And asking God to make you right by making you like Jesus. Repenting of your sin, repenting of your rebellion, repenting of your blasphemy against him, and putting your faith and your trust in Jesus. I'm not talking about trying harder. I'm talking about trusting more. If you have not repented of your sins, I would plead with you, beg with you to repent and put your faith in Jesus. I don't care if this is your first time in church or your 5,000th time in church. If you have not repented, you are in your sins and without hope. And I love you despite all the jokes, the humor, whatever, I love you enough to tell you, you need Jesus. So please, we're gonna open up the altars here in a minute. If you, are, if you have not repented of your sins and trusted Jesus, we'll have people up here uh, uh, for, for ministry and we would, we would encourage you to come down and let us pray with you. We don't have magic words, we don't have superpowers, but we wanna help you, partner with you in finding and loving and trusting Jesus. Church, those who have repented, if you're here and you've allowed your preferences to become prejudices, I would call you truthfully with the same fervor as I just did the lost to repent. Old and young, black and white, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, I don't care. If you've been prejudiced against someone else, if you've allowed your God-given preference to make you prejudiced, you need to repent. I love you. You need to repent. We're going to open up the altars here in just a minute. Another pillar for us is the Lord's table. We believe that communion, the the broken, the, the, the representation of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus is a gift that God gave to his church. So we partake of it every Sunday. 
We take by method known as intiction, where we have bread and a cup, simply take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, and partake. We're going to open up in our response right now. We're going to go back into worship. We're going to open these altars, this front area for people who have any need. Now, I've mentioned repentance and those things, and I'd encourage you to do that. But if you have a need of any kind, practical, uh, spiritual, physical, financial, whatever it might be, we have people who would love to pray with you and believe God to meet you in those areas. Like I mentioned earlier, we believe in a God who meets his people. Amen? We'll also open up the tables. If you've repented of your sins and trusted Christ, these tables are open to you. You don't have to go through a class. You don't have to be a member. They're open. If you've not repented of your sins, we'd ask that you would abstain until a time as, such a time as you have. Without rambling anymore, I'm going to pray. And we're going to respond to Jesus. Amen? Holy Spirit, I thank you today. God, I thank you today that, that you are a God who hears us. Now today I'm so thankful of just the reality of who you are in our lives and through our lives, in our church and through our church. Lord, I'd ask for right now just a spirit of repentance to come in this room. God, if there's, if there's a, a prejudice in our heart, if there's a, a pulling away from a certain type of people in our heart, God, that you would just rend that thing from us, that you would rip it from our hearts and from our lives. God, grant to us repentance in that area. God, for those who are distant from you, for those who are, are running away from you, God, that you would grant repentance to them as well. Jesus, we just, our heart's desire, the desire that you gave us in the new heart that you gave us is to make much of you. And we know that we need one another to do that. And God, we know it, and yet we're frustrated by it. So God, do what you and you alone can do and transform our thinking. God, change the way we think. that we might stand shoulder to shoulder with people who love you and who are different than us. That as the world looks and sees, they might see a better and a fuller picture of who you are. God, give us love for one another. God, if nothing else, if we, if we do not have the capacity to love one another, God, let us love you in them. God, we are so prone to wander. But God, that, that bend toward wandering is not proof that we are not from you. It's proof that we're still alive. So God, we feel it. And God, we, we pray right now as we, as we prepare to sing this song, we pray you would take our hearts and you would seal them for your kingdom transform our thinking, transform our living. God, be glorified in this place and through this place. Be glorified in what it is that you are doing and God, who it is that you are.